you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Last week, I was in meetings and someone who had recently surveyed most of the United Pentecostal churches told us that only 30% of the United Pentecostal churches continue to have Sunday evening service. And so they asked us in the boardroom how many of us had Sunday evening services, and I was the odd man out. I don't know about you. I'm not here to argue about whether it's right or wrong. This is much I do know. I'm glad I'm in the house tonight, and God is in the house tonight. I'm still thankful to have a Sunday evening service. Glad to have our wonderful evangelist with us, Reverend Greg Godwin. Put your hands together. Give him a great big Frankfurt welcome. This platform is yours, sir. We love you. I love you. Amen. Well, thank you, Jesus great worship tonight, and again, a great crowd, amen, we're thankful for the opportunity to be here, and we've already planned for us coming back, hallelujah, so thank you, Jesus, amen, and we're excited, excited to be back, let's pray that snow didn't get no, it don't get no colder than 35, amen, because I need to get to the airport in the morning, hallelujah. I'm going to leave about an hour and a half early now, so I don't want to have to leave two and a half hours early now. Amen. But thank you, Jesus. And uh, we thank God for your pastor and his wife. How many of you love your pastor and his wife? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. The office of the pastor is among the fivefold ministry and in the local church, in your local church life. There is no position higher. Amen. We're to submit to that which has the rule over us. Amen. And we submit ourselves to the pastor. Amen. And that's a beautiful subject I don't even want to get on. But thank the Lord. Paul admonished the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians 4 and 15. He said, you may have 10,000 teachers, but you have not many fathers, for I have begotten. I fathered you. The word teachers in that text is podagogus, which means a boy leader. They had no parental feeling. They had no say. They were just kind of like, they'd just watch over them at school and they'd make sure they got their work done. That was it. Paul said, you may have 10,000 of them. That means a myriad of, an uncalculable number of teachers, boy leaders. But you only have one daddy. Amen. You only have one pastor. Amen. I'm not getting many amens. Y'all going to make me change my sermon. Amen. I got one pastor. Amen. It's Bishop David Keller up in Fort Wayne. And uh, if something gets urgent and I need big help, I can call Brother Mangan. Amen. He helped me through the big mess. He said, but you stay close to Pastor Keller. And so that's it. Amen. It was Merle Ewing for 24 years. Amen. Merle Ewing and what he said went. Amen. It didn't matter. We was driving down the road one day to go to eat some crawfish about this time of year. It was early in the day and he just had on his overalls and shirt, boots. He had on some fluorescent dress boots, barefoot, slipped them in. He said, Bubba. Would you like to eat some crawfish? I said, Bishop, let's do it. He said, come on, Bubba. 
slipped his feet down in there. I said, you ain't going to put no socks on. He said, I don't need no socks on to eat no crawfish. <laughs> we went trucking down 171, pulled up, and he got the right front tire up in that parking lot. Bam, he hit the brakes. I went, Jesus, Jesus. My God, Bishop, he said, Bubba, I know some crawfish fixing to have a bad day. And we ordered 30 pounds of crawfish. And we sat there a while. Amen. He just peeled him, peeled him a big old pile. He'd go to eat. He'd peel him a big old pile. Go to eat. Amen. So the only reason I said that was we was driving down the road one day, and I was telling him a little story about a young preacher. Amen. A little situation going on in his life, and he had pulled away from the truth and tried to go the charismatic way and it wasn't working out and he was wanting to get back and he called me and I started talking to him and I hadn't told him all those details and he was kind of laid back half asleep and whenever I told him he had backslid and he called me and I mean he woke up boy and he said he began to rebuke it rebuke the story and told me boy you know better than that I said I know Bishop I'm just telling you he called me I was going to tell you you know, we need to pray for him. You need to pray for him, but he needs to submit. Amen. Look at somebody and say, prayer can't fix everything. Sometimes you just got to submit. Got to bring yourself under authority. Amen. And we'll come back and talk about all that. Amen. It'll be good. Amen. If you got your Bibles, I feel something in the Holy Ghost. We won't be long. But hopefully it'll be right. Luke 1 and 57. Luke 1 and 57. Of course, the length will depend on your amens. Y'all going to find out over the next, let's see, it's February, uh, 10 months. Y'all going to find out in the next 10 months, lack of amens will extend the message. So best thing to do is just be a hypocrite and fake it. Say amen about every 22 seconds. Just say amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> That way I can't, because most of the time people causing trouble are the ones that's quiet. Amen. Look at somebody say, quiet ones are trouble. Amen. So you got to say amen even if you're faking it. Just say amen. 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 Hallelujah. Look at somebody say, he's 90% kidding. You can laugh. Some of you holy Joes are about to get under my nerves quickly. Hallelujah. Luke 1, 57, down through verse 66. This young man on his piano, my God in heaven, he can sing, he can preach, he can... What in the world? Amen. All these boys. These, these pastors, young men, are just a boom shakalaka, I guess. Hallelujah. I'm talking about, they just throwing down. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Luke 1, 57. Now, Elizabeth's... Full time came that she should be delivered, and she brought forth the son. And her neighbors and cousins heard how the Lord had shewed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. It came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise a child, and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, no, 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 not so, not so. But he shall be called John. They said unto her, there's none of thy kindred that's called by this name. And They made signs to his father how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing table and he wrote saying, his name is John. And they marveled all and his mouth was opened immediately and his tongue loosed and he spake and praised God. Fear came on all that dwelt round about them, and all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all they that had heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Amen. I want to preach on this subject for the next few moments. What will the neighbors say? What will the neighbors say? Now, this is, these are old notes. I haven't preached this message in years. It's been years since I preached it. But I felt this this afternoon. So I printed it out, and here goes. Amen. 
Look at somebody and say, here goes. Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated. For 400 years, God's silence had thundered with divine eeriness. There had been no prophetic utterance to the prophets. There had been no divine dreams giving divine direction. There had been no angelic visitations to any of the Levites. There was only silence. 400 years. No word from God. It is said that the darkest hour always precedes the dawn. And it was at this point that Old Testament predictions and prophecies that had eagerly been waited and watched for and eagerly scanned by Old Testament prophets. Now, there was a generation that was watching and waiting. They felt the Messiah and His coming were nigh. The term of years foretold by the prophet Daniel had expired. The scepter had departed out of Judah and the lawgiver from between his feet. Even the Gentile world was penetrated with expectation of a king. The sibyls were busy in their ancient writings and the hermits were in their secret cells. The Magi's were studying the dazzling glories of the eastern skies. All had come to one conclusion. There was a time of fulfillment at hand. Indicators and signs, time and the will of God, as far as prophecy was concerned, had intersected. Man-made religion and politics and policies and philosophy had left the world in tumultuous condition and an age of total confusion. Herod was on the throne. He was crafty, cruel, sensual, and imperious leader. The temple which bore his name was the, same, was the scene of priestly service and sacramental rites. The national feasts of Passover, there was a feast of tabernacles, the feast of Pentecost were all being celebrated, of course, with solemn pomp and circumstance. Synagogues were maintained with punctilious care. and Crowds of scribes were perpetually engaged in microscopic study of the law. But beneath the pomp and the circumstance, there was the rankest and foulest and most desperate of corruptions. Gentile customs were being introduced into their society. The Roman eagle was placed at the main entrance to their Jewish temple. David's tomb had been robbed and set aside were the great councils of the Jewish nation. The priests had begun to become willing to wink at the crimes of the secular powers just as long as their pockets and their prestige was secured. 20,000 priests were fulfilling their offices and would descend two times a year for six days and two Sabbaths into Judea. But history reveals that many and most were denounced as having degraded and the depreciating of the temple. They were going through their worship two times a year like they always had done, but it had become corrupt. But there was a priest. His name was Zacharias. He was of the course of Abiah. His wife Elizabeth was of the daughters of Aaron. Zacharias, his name means God remembers. And Elizabeth's name means God has an oath. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, and they were blameless. They had no child, Scripture tells us, because Elizabeth was barren. And now they were both stricken in years beyond the age of birthing and begatting children. But the Bible declares they were barren. Can I tell this church that barrenness has always been used for God's glory in bringing in the prophetic word 
to pass. I said barrenness has always been used for God's glory. Abraham was married to Sarah and the Bible tells us she was barren. And finally she has a child at 90 years old. His name is Isaac. Isaac grows up and marries his wife. Her name's Rebecca. The Bible says of Rebecca, she was barren. They finally have a child, named him Jacob. Jacob grows up and gets married. Marries his wife, her name's Rachel. And the Bible says she was barren. Not just that she hadn't had children, but she couldn't have children. She produced a Joseph. Her prayer was, give me children or I die. Can I tell you, in my years of ministry, I have found that it is this barren attitude that must be present in an apostolic church. It is the attitude of give me children or I die. When Israel was in the judges and they needed a godly deliverer, Samson was born to Manoah. But his wife was not even named in Scripture. All it says about Samson's mother was she was barren. It didn't make no difference what her name was. All that mattered was they had tried, but she couldn't give birth to a child. Samuel, the great prophet whose word never fell to the ground, was born to Hannah, who the Bible declares was barren. And she was, she understood this is something God's doing here. Husband Paniah tried to buy her off, gave his one wife some blessings, and then he doubled up the blessings to, 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 to his wife Hannah, trying to buy her off and say, look, it's okay. I got kids coming from the other wife. It's okay. You're not. And, and the, the Bible says she could not be bought off. And now 400 years of silence is about to end. And it's going to end with a prophetic move of the Spirit. It's going to end with a divine announcement. Yes, Elizabeth, your name reminds us that God remembers. And you're the daughters of Aaron. But most importantly, Elizabeth, you are barren. God sees a lot of greatness in this church. I've been here for a full day from last night till tonight. And I can tell you that this is a great church. Amen. Thank you all, 27 of you that nervously said amen. This is a great church. I mean, it's, it's a great church. You have great leadership. You have great pastor, great pastor's wife. God sees a lot of qualities in this church. God sees a lot of pedigrees in this church. But what God is looking for is barrenness. The attitude and posture that says, give me children or I die. Can I tell you that all the churches I've preached at and I've only preached this message a few times. Never felt the release. I've just thought they could, they can't handle it. There ain't no way in the world it'll get too strong, and I just can't do it. But the Lord released me to preach this tonight here. All God needs from this church is a continuous, constant cry of give us children or we're going to die. There's got to be the birthing and the loosing of a barrenness in your spirit. As if, uh, and I'm going to talk to the ladies, as if, as if you wanted a child and you couldn't have it, no matter how many doctors you went to, you could not have a child. You were barren. Wanted children and couldn't have them. That's the kind of attitude that moved key players in the old prophecy of the Old Testament that were key in moving the cause of God to this time in our text. 
Amen. He highlights them. I mean, he doesn't say a lot about ladies and their children and, and the difficulties of their pregnancies. But these ladies, he says, they were barren. They wanted children, but they couldn't have them. But it was that attitude in them that said, give me children or I die. My husband has tried to buy me off. He's tried to tell me there's children from another place and it's all right. But that, that, that God made me a woman and I'm going to have children. Or if I die, I'm going to have children. And her prayer was so gripped with give me children or I die. She would be found in the temple praying. Her mouth moving. Oh, no words coming out. It was just total pain. Until finally she has her child. Proverbs 30 and 15 says the horse leech hath two daughters crying, Give, give. He said there are three things that are never satisfied. Tell somebody never satisfied. Yea, four things that say not. It is enough. The grave. The barren womb, the earth that is not filled with water, and the fire, it never says, that's enough. It doesn't matter what day you wake up. You can pick up a newspaper in a small town like this, in a small county like this, or you can pick up the Indianapolis Star, and it'll tell you in that paper somewhere there will be the list of people that die. Christmas Day, there will be names in that paper. The grave called somebody home. The grave doesn't care what day it is. It doesn't care if it's Christmas or New Year's or your birthday. If it's, if it's Valentine's Day or if it's Easter. They don't care if it's July 4th. They don't care about any of that. The grave is calling every day. The wise man Solomon said the grave is never satisfied. It never says that's enough dead people. Then he says the earth that is not filled with water. Do you know the majority of this planet is covered by water? And the fire, it never says that's enough. Have you ever been by fire and they get it all put out and then all of a sudden later that night or next morning they're back in there pumping water on it. What's going on? There's something about fire that burn, once it gets started, you have to really pay attention to putting it out. Because the fire says it's never enough burning. When the fires burn in California, it doesn't matter that it's topping the hill where there's going to be a rich community now. They don't, the fire don't care about your rich house. Fire don't care about your family heirlooms and all your million dollar paintings. Don't give a flip about it. Wind gets to blowing and fire gets to hopping from tree to tree and from piece of property. It'll pop a mile in just a few minutes time. The wind blows it and fire will grab a tree and grab a house and it'll burn because the fire says it's never enough. And then he throws in here, yea, four things and he uses the barren woman. Barnes note says it is the ferocious appetite is here represented to express its intensity as two daughters uttering the same ceaseless cry for more. What are you saying, Brother Godwin? I'm saying I feel the hunger in this church. I'm so taken with it. It's been a long time since I've preached. First time in a place I've never been. I'd never, I didn't even know. I didn't know what your town looked like. I didn't know anything. I knew your pastor and his wife when he asked me to come. I said, boom, shaka, like I'm in. Called a few people and bumped them ahead. I said, I got to go. Amen. I didn't know what was here. I knew he had a good church, but I didn't know nothing about the town, the county. Didn't know anything. I've never, I've been a lot in Indiana, but I've never driven up this way, but 65 between here and Chicago. What I sense here is a revival. I sent, I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost. I'm just going to tell you, I feel mama's pregnant. I said, mama's pregnant. The church is expecting children. They're in small form, 
But in just a little bit of time, that mama's going to start showing. That mama's going to start walking different. I ain't trying to get too plain, but I'm getting a bunch of stairs, so I'm just going to hunker down on this point until I get amen. Amen. When the wife gets pregnant, amen, it don't matter. Amen. She walk, I mean, as soon as they get to, she gets the test back now, I mean, boom, shakalaka, just right at three months or just a little bit before, bingo, you're pregnant. She immediately buy pregnant dresses, you know, all them big ones, and, and start walking different. She'd start walking. Pictures up on Instagram and Facebook looking. That ain't really a bump, but I promise I'm pregnant. Get to showing. Boy, just as soon as, I mean, you can just tell. They wear a little old tight dress. I mean, it's showing just a little old witness right there. And tell, oh, she pregnant. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what every woman wants. Can I tell you, the natural reveals the spiritual. The church is the mother of us all. Come on, somebody. There's got to be a desire in this church. Not just in the pastor and his wife, but it's got to be in every member in this church because we are all the mother. We are all collectively the church. We are feminine in our spiritual nature. Amen. We are to give birth. Amen. You need to touch somebody and say, I need a baby. I need a baby. Amen. You can be seated. I see some, I, I just threw a firecracker. I see some, some like, never gonna lie. I ain't mad at that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I ain't mad at that. And so the attitude led Israel into 400 years of silence. And then Elizabeth becomes one of the list of ladies that the Bible specifically says was barren. It was a time in text the schoolmaster's lessons were finished. Lessons had been taught and now it was time. The lots were cast and it falls on Zacharias. Not just anybody could be a priest now and operate the sacrificial system at this time. You see they were going to go through the tabernacle. Y'all know about the tabernacle plan don't you? Yeah, man, 20%. Anyway. That Old Testament type and shadow. That casted shadow into the Old Testament of that real body, that church. And God's mind was already done was already there because he worked from the end back to the beginning. We were born in time and moved from beginning back to end, but God working to us. Your future is coming to pass because your future already is. The prophetic already is in every one of your lives. What God has planned for you is there. All you got to do is keep moving to it. And that's what God does with his shadow. The tabernacle plan, you know, outer court and then the holy place and the holy of holies, three cubicles. There was three things in every cubicle. So you had one, two, three, and three, three, three was 12. That would become the foundational number of scripture. Apostolic authority and There'd be 12 sons, and these 12 sons would become 12 tribes of Israel that would become the nation of Israel. Then there'd be 12 apostles. There'd be 12 foundations on the holy city. It was all coming from heaven, laid out. Brazen altar inside the door, the altar 32 feet wide, two feet wider than the door. Doors 30 feet wide. Altars 32 feet wide, which means you have to walk around with penance to get in the church. If, if you want to get in the church, you're going to have to walk around it. God made the altar bigger than the door. Which tells us it don't matter what kind of sacrifice you have to bring, what kind of repentance you need to bring, the altar's big enough for your sacrifice. 
God can forgive anything. That was the message he was sending. Your sin is not too great. Whatever you need to bring, if it's a bullock, bring it. If it's turtle doves, bring it. Whatever it is, bring it. I got an altar big enough. And of course, it was all foreshadowing Christ that would come. And there's a labor of water. And they washed with water that they died not. Water, watery labor of water was a type of baptism. And the birthing of the concept of water in our salvation was what began in the tabernacle. They washed with water that they died. Now somebody said, well, you don't have to be baptized. Where did you find that? Where does it say in Scripture you don't have to be baptized? Where does it say you don't have to be baptized in water? Where does it say that? It don't say that. Amen. I said it don't say that. They went and washed with water that they died not. They were all the blood of the sacrifice off. They would change their garments. And when it was that time of sacrifice in our text, they would move in. That priest would then move into the holy place. He would go to his left. There was a golden candlestick. And he would sprinkle blood there and pray there. And he would move across the tabernacle to the labor of uh, the, the, the tabernacle of bread, uh, the table of bread. And there he would partake of the bread and sprinkle the blood there. Then he would go to the middle of the, of the holy place. And there was the altar of incense where he would worship. Blood in one hand and incense of praise in the other. And while Zechariah is going through this whole process, he's standing in the fifth position, the place of praise. Praise before he got in the Spirit. For all you that say you're waiting on the Spirit to make you praise, number one, you ain't got no Bible for it. <laughs> what sense does that make? God forgave you. God filled you with the Holy Ghost. God washed your sins away so far. He doesn't even remember them. He don't even ever remember you as a sinner. And now you're going to wait on him to move you and make you praise him for what he did. God ain't ever going to make nobody praise him. You can come into church. And... Well, I almost... How many times you come home from church and say, boy, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, baby, if I'd have felt just a little more, but I'd have took off. I'd have, I'd, I'd have probably run miles around the church, boy. I'd have. That's where you fake it and just say amen. Come on, everybody, just say amen. Well, God, just, there's no place. But God, let, let me just prove to you. Let me, let me, get my, let me just stop here. I got, I got to get another 5% saying amen. Another 5% clapping, the rest of you staring at me. So I'm going to bust you. Y'all think I'm playing. Let me get my Bible out here. Touch Bible. Search. Dance. In the Spirit. The whole Bible. You ready? You ain't going to believe it. I'm going to have to let your pastor read. Y'all don't believe your pastor, don't you? All right. Read, read in that line what I typed. What did I type? What did I type? Not the red there. Dance in the spirit. Okay, and I hit search, and what does the red letter say? Nothing was found. Please try a different search. All right. See, I got y'all, boy. You know, you, God saved you and everything, and now God's got to come by. Pick you up and literally, come on, man, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on man. I mean, God, God saved you, God's called you into ministry, but he's got to, and I'm doing this because he was running tonight on the first song. Did y'all see that? He wasn't going, well, let me, no, I don't feel 10 fingers. I, ain't, I don't feel no breeze on, so I ain't going to pray. Devil is a lie. No place in scripture does God move on somebody or in somebody and make them dance. You praise his name in the dance. You want to praise the name of Jesus? I'm going to give you the only Bible verse you can do it. You got to praise him in the dance. I don't care what you do, but you better do something and praise his name.
Come on, touch somebody and say, I got to praise him. Evening. I got some of you didn't get up. I know some of you's old, but some of you ain't old. Some of you just rebellious. You can be seated. Well, I ain't got to do that. When people get saved, they come in broke, busted, and disgusted, get the Holy Ghost. About three years, God throws in on them. I mean, throws a blessing on them. Boom, shakalaka. They want the wealthiest in the church. Now they got the. Aren't you glad God washed your sins away? Aren't you glad your name's written down in the Lamb's Book of Life? There ain't nobody in their right cotton-picking mind believes that you really believe your name's written down. They don't nobody believe that you believe your sins are remitted so far that God don't even remember you as a sinner. But you let somebody get to praising. You let somebody get to crying. You let somebody get to waving their hand. You let somebody really get to clapping. If you're too old to jump, wiggle your foot out in the aisle. Just wiggle a foot. But you got to praise him. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Come on, touch somebody and say, excuse me for 30 seconds. I'm going to praise him for what he did for me. I'm going to praise him for the night he filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm going to praise him for June 27, 1978. What day did you get saved? Do you remember the day? Come on, look at somebody and say, I've got to praise the Lord. You can be seated, you can tell somebody, you can tell somebody they can sit there like an old knot on a log. Lord have mercy. I'm acting like I've been here for three months. I'm talking about saved, sanctified, stiff-necked. Don't let me get started. Hard-headed. I mean, preacher up here having a heart attack. Preacher, you. And the guest, let me tell you something. I, was, I, I talk Bible study. You know, I, I believe teaching Bible studies. I'm a preacher. I teach Bible studies. And I was teaching one years ago, and this young lady and her husband prayed through. They worked at the Ken's Pizza in Pryor, Oklahoma. And she came to church on Sunday night. And, uh, man, we got to preaching and got to, got to preaching the word. Man, people responded a little bit. And I got to talking about praising God and everything. And she came knocked on the door of the house. Oh, goes, hey, what are you doing? She, she's crying. It's about 1030 at night. She got off Ken's Pizza. I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. Open the door. I said, well, come on in and sit down. I sat down in the living room and began to talk. And she began to talk. And she said, what do you mean, born again? We was preaching this morning about being born again. She said, what do you mean about being born? I don't understand. I said, now where do you start? I got this, I got this ABI degree. All ABI people raise your hands. Uh-huh. I see some of you praising, some of you don't see you doing nothing. Y'all better come on now. Amen. They just had a revival this last weekend. Had 18 get the Holy Ghost in three nights. But David Smith preached at 18. I preach that, man. They run the aisles. Touch somebody say they run the aisles at ABI now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. This organ's getting going. My black man's coming up in me. I'm a black man trapped in a white body. Hallelujah. Lord have mercy. I can't do it. I can't do it. And I, I, had to, I had to simplify it all down. She said, what do you mean born again? She said, about an hour and a half teaching the Bible study. She said, I got one more question. She said, what do you mean about praising the Lord? The question was, because I knew when you got to preaching about praising, there wasn't... There's about 80 people in the church. She said, Me, hardly anybody even say anything. I thought, Thank you, Jesus. I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, it's just old Pentecostal preacher. Oh, he's just preaching on praise. Oh, I wish he could preach on, preach on praise. Oh, my God. You imagine you're so saved that you can't praise God. 
You're, you're so sanctified. You're so holy, you know. You, you, you boom shakalaka, you know. Young preacher, you can get up and read a text. And you can preach and put holler in every 18 verses. And yeah, you know, you the man with the plan to catch a ghost with that. You from the school of the cool, yeah. You're the preacher man, yeah. Yeah, but you don't praise. You don't worship. Amen. I like your worship, Bubba. Amen. I like you getting out and praising God. Hey, come on, somebody. Look at somebody and say, you got to praise the Lord. Amen. It ain't got nothing to do with how I feel. It's, it's what I know that activates a praise. I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded. Come on. You got to know that you were lost. You got to know you were on the way to hell. But one night or one day, God got a hold of you. It ought to make you want to kick a foot. It ought to make you want to jump around. Yeah, you may be old, but it ought to make you wave a hand violently. What are you doing? I'm praising God for his excellent greatness. Come on, touch somebody and say, I've got to praise him. Come on, touch somebody and say, I've got to praise him. You can be seated. I'm trying to hurry. So they had had 400 years of dead church. They were faking it. Got carnality in the church. Sin in the church. They were willing to wink at their sins as long as they paid their tithe. The time demanded holy awe and divine respect. Prophetic anticipation. Willingness. Looking toward prophetic participation. The divine clock and calendar of God's eternal purpose was ticking. Zechariah moves into the temple cautiously respecting, not hurrying. The whole multitude of people were praying without at the time of the incense. Now what you got to understand in this whole deal is normally during this 400 years, the priests would just... Boom, they'd be out. Because it was just formality. There was no moving ahead of the scene. Nothing would happen, but this time, when they drew lots, God's hand was on the picking this time, and they drew Zechariah's. He would get this one time to serve in the tabernacle, one time to go into the Holy of Holies and see the glory cloud descend. He knew his life was on the line. He knew he could be struck dead if God showed up. Now, God had showed up 400 years. But if God shows up, if I'm not right, I could be a dead man. And he gets in there and he gets to the fifth position at the altar of incense. And he begins to worship God finally two, three hours into it. They're normally done, out, dismissed, and gone. But he's still, and they hear him singing. And while he's doing it, the Bible says... There appeared on the right side of the altar a holy angel. I got on to worship because it happens before you got in the spirit. There was no spirit outside. They were in the fifth position, the place of grace. They had blood in one hand, incense in the other. And they were worshiping God. Now, some people think there was a divide in the temple veil, but I've studied, I can't find a divide in the temple. It was one solid curtain, three pieces of material sewn together to survive the severest of strains. That's why at Calvary, when God tears the veil, it'll tear from the top to the bottom. They knew, oh my God, God did that. They couldn't get through it. It was Some say it was pinned down in the corners. I can't find that. I can't find where the priest walked around to get through it. Jewish commentators, they say that while he stood there with blood in one hand and the altar of incense in the other and was worshiping, that the Spirit would transfer him through the veil. I don't know, but I do know an angel showed up and he began to praise and worship. And you see all these carnal people out in all these tents. I knew we made a mistake drawing him. 
hope y'all ain't said that this week. Oh, I knew Brother Jordan made a mistake on gobbling. Who's that? I just can't believe it. Man, it's taking me so long. We, this, he's going to give me this four and a half hours. What in the world? He begins to worship, and then he goes through the veil. And he begins to dance and worship. And he comes out. The Lord says, your wife's going to have a child. He begins to kind of question God. And God says, okay, I can't do that no more. And he, and he just seals Zacharias' mouth. Why? Because they're at the point of prophetic fulfillment. And I can't afford even you, as holy as you are, to talk us out of it. What I'm going to make happen. And God seals his mouth shut. He cannot utter a word. Your wife is pregnant. He has to write everything. That's how Elizabeth finds out about it. She's accepting of it. Nine months pass. She has the baby. They're now at naming the child. And everybody else thinks, well, you know, you got to name him Zacharias. After his dad. That's what we've always done. Elizabeth said, no, sir. God told Zacharias in the veil. He said, call the baby John. Oh, well, none of the, none of your, none of your kinfolk is called by the name John. We ain't done that in 72 years in our bloodline. Zachariah sitting over there, he was a little gasp of paper and pen. They give him a tablet and he writes it. And the Bible says when he said it, his mouth was opened, his tongue was loosed, and he began to praise God. Now why are you saying, I've said all that to say, this church has got to make a decision now. You got your new building. It's nice. It's wonderful. And I, I don't mean to be coming on so strong. I, I, but I've, I've already got my invitation back. So boom, shakalaka. Can't. And we don't have an end date. We don't have an end date. Nah, 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 nah. That's three people say he's coming back. <laughs> Touch three people, test one, two, three. Touch three people, that's what I thought. They got all the monitors up and cut my house off. That's what I thought. Touch somebody and say, he's coming back. Whether I like it or not, he's coming back. <laughs> now what's the whole point? This is prophetic because this child is going to be the way preparer for the one that would come. Here's what I'm going to say, I'm done. This revival, I believe that's on the church of the end time, is the last great move of God before he comes the second time. Before he comes again. Now, I preach this message six, seven times, but I've never said what I just said. I was coming down that aisle right there, and the Holy Ghost told me. John announced the first coming. Now the church is going to announce the second coming. So all I've come to tell this city and say to this pastor and his leadership team is call this baby John. It doesn't matter what the neighbors say. It don't matter what other apostolic churches say. It don't matter. It don't matter. I tell you what. We ain't never had a church. We ain't had that many people pray through in six, seven months. We've been here since 1910, and we never seen that. You've been in the way since 1910, what you've been. Length, listen to me, length of time, how long you've been in the church, don't mean anything. 
It doesn't mean you've been in church 50 years. You need to thank God. He kept you for 50 years. Come on, I said he kept you for 50 years. That You need to be saying thank you, Jesus. Now, I'm going slow because I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to be nice. Stand with me. prophetic that's on this church is so strong and so thick and so deep it's got me staggering that's why I'm just preaching kind of point here and point there because I'm going careful because what God's ready to do in this church is going to literally it's going to blow your mind there's going to be people come in here and pray through. They've never been to a church. You're going to find it. There are going to be people who drive by this church and they didn't even know there was a church here. It's going to, it's going to blow your Pentecostal pride brain. What you mean? My God, I give $27 a month for that building. No, what you mean you don't know? Because somebody say, I still love him, even though he's ornery. Hallelujah. I'm trying to be nice. Ooh, Lord. And my bubba here from Fort Wayne, Bronson, and he knows I'm being nice. He knows I'm being nice. Go to Fort Wayne, just, just drop it down. Cloud up. I'm being nice here, ain't I, Bronson? Amen. Being real nice. What are you saying? You're saying. There's a prophetic revival on this church. It's end time revival, it's outpouring revival. It's a prophetic fulfillment revival. The hand of God is on your pastor and his wife. And I'm going to say this in the Holy Ghost. He's up here crying right now because he knows God's got him here for a reason. Not just to save you and us 350-ish. I've driven through your city, I know. I see all the windows closed. I see, I don't see anybody. I drove through here yesterday and there wasn't much traffic during the day. I'm like, my God, what's going on? God's got them here for a reason. 17 years ago, I pulled into Dallas, Texas. Preached the first night. There's 30-something got the Holy Ghost. Just blew my mind. I mean, I've been, I'd been in Modesto. We'd had over 1,000 get the Holy Ghost. Very conservative number in three and a half months. I'm talking, we got to doing the numbers later. And thinking about it, it was close to 1,800 people got the Holy Ghost in three and a half months. That was their numbers. They cut the brother keys, cut the numbers back every week. Hundreds sometimes. Just over a thousand when that last Easter service. By his numbers. Nearly 1,800 people had prayed through. When was it, Brother Godwin? 17 years. Been pastoring that church. Went to Dallas and the revival started. The second night, I told you, I told Brother, brother Foster, my God, Bishop. I just threw him the mic. I was down here. Threw him the mic. He caught it and went to prophesying. That night finished another 20-something got the Holy Ghost. And I didn't know anything about it till the fifth Sunday. He had preached the first night when he was voted in. He told him, there's a revival coming to this church where it will double this church in 30 days. There will be a church on this hill of 1,000 people. We'll have 15 other congregations around this metroplex. And brother, they stood up and it was done. Brother Foster, come here, we're going to talk to you. Now, brother, look, we're glad you're here. We voted you in 100%. You're the man. Now, we just want you to be here on Sunday. Preach to us. Make us happy. You go out and preach at camps and conferences. Do all that. Come home Sunday and preach us happy. We're a little country church in a big city watching. 
And that's the way we want it. In 17 years, everybody that voted him in was backslid and out of church completely except for one lady. I was there this last spring, last fall. She's still there. The one lady from the original group. Why? Because they didn't want new people. Five weeks. When that fifth week happened, there were over 600 and something people in that building. It had doubled the church in 30 days. It's never been below 600. It's bounced over a thousand a few times. They keep starting churches that might don't stay up over a thousand. What are you saying? I'm saying the prof- I don't even know all prophecies on this church, but those prophecies are ready to come to pass. This is what I told your pastor today. I told your pastor today, this church and you have top, you're hitting the bottom. You're hitting the bottom of the next dimension. It's the top of the one you're in. And if that's where you want to stay, you can. But I don't think that's where you want to be. You want to have another breakthrough into the next dimension. 400 years of silence. And God said, I can't let anybody be the priest today. I just can't let anybody go through the motions today. It fell on Zacharias. Lift your hands in the air. I see tears running down people's face. This is going to be a great week of revival for you. Brother Chavis is going to get here and it's going to go right through the roof. I'm talking about the, I'm not even going to tell you the revival he's had. It's going to blow your mind if he talks about it. It's going to blow your mind. It's happened down in the southeast corner of Atlanta, Georgia. Why is this all happening? Because God sees your heart, sees your prayer, sees your leadership, and He knows what He wants to do in this whole area. Would you grab somebody's hand next to you? And would you tell Him God wants to use us again? Tell Him He wants to use us right here. Come on, tell somebody He wants to use you and He wants to use me. And if you believe that, I want you to come right here close to the altar. Don't stay down the aisles. Come in as close as you can. Come in as close as you can. Come on. Come on. Pastor and his wife are weeping and crying. Come on. Come on. Is there anybody that will come up here and lay hands on them? What about his sons? Will you come and pray with them? Would you come and pray with them? Would you pray strength upon them? Come on. Would you pray supernatural power upon them? Come on. Give them the words to say. Give them the vision, God. Let this week transform this church. By the time next Friday night's over, let this church say we've never had church like this. I've never felt things like this. I've never heard stuff like this. Come on, youth pastor. Come on, assistant pastor. Come on, wives. Come on. Come on. We got to go to the next level. Seven days from now, we're going to be different. We're going to be different in the name of Jesus. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Come on, pray for somebody around you. Pray for somebody in front of you. Lay hands on them and pray in the name of Jesus. The prophetic in this city. The prophetic word on this man and woman of God. The prophetic word on this church. God, we war for it. We war for the prophetic. We war for what you see is done. We pray for it to come into time. Let it be what you see it as. Families pray through. People delivered off of drugs and alcohol. Families put back together. Wayward children pray through. Backsliders coming back. Come on, church. Come on, church. Come on, lift your hands and praise Him. Lift your hands and praise Him.
Come on, praise him in the name of Jesus. Praise him. Praise him. God, touch these young people. Use this couple, God, to touch these young people. Let them reach the youth of this city. Let there be hundreds of young people pray through in the Holy Ghost. Give them the gift of evangelism, God. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let outreach happen. Let outreach happen. Let the gift of evangelism birth in this church. Let us reach. Now I want you to turn to one person. Turn to one person and face them. Take one person by both hands. Take one person by both hands. No matter who it is, your wife, your husband, friend, enemy, don't matter. Take them by both hands. Get one person by both hands. Come on. Get mother by hands. Come on. Here you go. Come on, right there. Get her by both hands, brother. Get her by both hands. Amen. Come on, get them by both hands. Look at them and say, you're a revival waiting to happen. Tell somebody, God believes in you. God saved you. That means he made you his body. He put you in his body. And his body's here for one reason. That's to reach the lost. And God's going to use you. I want you to lift their hands up over your head. I want you to pray for them as they pray for you. I want you to pray for them in the Holy Ghost. As they pray for you, pray for them. Come on, let the Holy Ghost flow through you.